Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are taking a break from our regular format to talk about our favorite movies of 2020 so far. We're at the midway point. It is a very strange year for movies, obviously, with everything that has been happening the last few months with COVID-19 and the theaters being closed. And, you know, piecing it together, we have stayed active. There's been a constant stream of movies to cover, as well as looking back to some older movies in our side series like Missing Pieces and Breaking It Apart. But honestly, even without those, there's plenty of new movies for us to cover all the time. And... You know, it's been a weird year, but there's been some great movies, even the stuff that came out before the shutdown and the stuff that's been relegated to just VOD releases and streaming. Uh, I, Those of you who know me know I don't really love watching movies at home. I, I'm forcing myself to do it. I very luckily got a new TV right before the shutdown, like literally the week before the shutdown. First TV in like seven years. Very random luck that I just happened to get a brand new fancy 4K HDR, blah, blah, blah TV. So that's made it a little easier, I guess. But I still, I have trouble locking in when I'm at home and just really fully enjoying a movie. So I can't wait to get back to the theater, but I don't know when the hell that is going to be. So in the meantime, I have been forcing myself to sit down and watch new movies so that way I could keep talking about them here on this show and so we could do this countdown because there's a bunch of movies that made it onto my list that I only got to watch at home. And that makes me a little sad, but it is what it is. So joining me for this conversation is Josh Bell. He's a film critic. You've heard him here on the show before, and he co-hosts the Awesome Movie Year podcast, which I produce, and you should be listening to if you don't already. And another thing you should do is follow us on social media at PiecingPod. You could also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and you can go to our website piecingpod.com and sign up for the mailing list where we just did a great contest and we're planning on doing more contests in the coming weeks so definitely go sign up for that mailing list and uh subscribe rate review share all that good stuff so let's get into this conversation about our favorite movies of 2020 so far All right, so today we are going to be talking about our favorite movies of this very strange year that has been 2020, and to join me for this, 
we've got our good buddy Josh Bell. How's it going, Josh? Oh, it's going all right. How are you, Dave? Eh, you know me. I'm doing great. I always do my best to uh, stay positive through whatever crazy stuff we're going through at this moment. But, uh, Josh, uh, what do you think about this movie year? This is, is this an awesome movie year so far? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the weird thing about this year is that obviously we're not seeing movies in theaters or we haven't been seeing any movies in theaters since the middle of March mm. and a whole bunch of movies that were supposed to come out in theaters have not been released. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what that means is that a lot of movies that would probably have flown under the radar, sure. whether they would have only been released on VOD and, or streaming, or maybe they would have gotten small theatrical releases that have been shifted to, you know, only online. Either way, they probably wouldn't be the movies that were like the main conversation pieces necessarily. And those yeah. movies are getting a chance to shine. So in a way, I think that's cool. Um, I feel like I've probably had the chance to see and write about a lot of movies that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have, or at least wouldn't have written about. Maybe I would have seen them or I would have noted them down. Oh, I should see that movie. That small film is supposed to be good, but my time would have been filled with seeing a bunch of big blockbusters right, and I maybe right. wouldn't have gotten around to them. So I think it's been a weirdly great year to spotlight small films. Mm -hmm. And there's been no shortage of movies released. I mean, Definitely. At, at some point in the future, maybe we'll get uh, to the pipeline slowing down. But at this point, production, I mean, there so many movies were produced or at least shot and in post-production before this shutdown that there's just tons of content. So that's been great. I feel like, you know, I get up every day and there's a million movies <laughs> that I could watch. I mean, in general, but also even just, just from this year and just as we were preparing to do this and kind of looking at like, oh, what should I see? Uh, to prepare for this. And I certainly didn't see all the things that I would have wanted to. So there's a ton of good stuff out there. Absolutely. And I, I feel like one of the weird things, especially as I was, uh, you know, getting ready for this episode, I was trying to squeeze in some last minute movies and stuff like that. And something that I've been realizing is so many movies that, and this happens every year, where there's those movies that are listed as the year before because they, you know, maybe had small little releases and then finally get the VOD release or the streaming release or whatever. But it seems like a lot of these movies have 2019 release dates on them, even though they didn't come out in any meaningful way before this, other than maybe a, a film festival or something like that. Have you noticed that, like, in, in a lot of the movies that maybe are on our lists here? Well, yeah, because I think part of the reason is that what we're getting mainly is those movies that, I mean, what would normally happen is with smaller films is that they play a bunch of film festivals to kind of build some buzz and then they get mm -hmm. a commercial release, whether that's in theaters or just on online on VOD in some way. So I think those are like a lot of what we are seeing are movies like that, that had yeah. kind of been playing around in small festivals, maybe uh, for some amount of time in 2019. And a lot of the movies, the the most of the movies that are getting postponed that we're not getting to see are movies that hadn't been shown at all because there are these studio films that were being, you know, carefully calculated to premiere at a particular time. Right, right. Um, so we, we get some, I mean, Netflix especially, I think Netflix original movies are their own uh, weird animal and, and most of their movies, although not necessarily all, they pick up festival movies, but any original production that Netflix kind of makes itself is is held back for a big premiere, but that big premiere is just a Netflix thing. So something like, 
you know, Extraction or that stupid new Will Ferrell movie or things like that that are like the Netflix equivalent of blockbusters. We're still getting those and those are still 2020 films. I didn't think Extraction was going to come up on this conversation, but uh, I'm glad you- <laughs> Well, it's definitely not on my list, but I mean, weirdly enough, because we've had this, this like absence of big action movies, like Extraction is like the biggest action movie of the summer. Yeah, people like action no matter how good it is or how, you know, I don't know how original it is. People just like to see some shit blow up. You know, I guess so. Yeah, Extraction is is terrible. As it's far really, as I'm concerned. it's really bad. Yes. Yeah, that that little remake was better. Uh, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. It was pretty. Fun. Oh, did somebody do a homemade remake of yeah. Extraction? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, so I'll have to check, check that out. I check that, that out. Not Extraction. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into our list here. We'll go back and forth, and then we also have uh, we've got some wild card honorable mentions that we're gonna get into at the end of the conversation. But for now, let's start with our number tens. What do you got for number ten? So my number 10 pick is a movie I think I suggested to you to watch to catch up with, but I don't know if you uh, got to it. It's a film called Driveways uh, by the director Andrew Ahn. And this is one of those movies that if you look on on IMDb, it's listed as 2019. I think it did play in a number of festivals over the course of last year and then uh, got a VOD release this year. And Mm. it's just wonderfully, it's a very small film. It's a very low key drama. And it's one of these movies where like, it seems like the kind of thing that you would be advised against where there's almost no conflict. It's Mm. just a movie about nice people being nice to each other. Um, But it's so emotionally rich. Uh, It stars Hong Chow, who's also on the most recent season of Homecoming on Amazon. And uh, she plays this woman who is... Uh, kind of trying to clean up her her sister has died and she brings her young son to sell the sister's house and discovers that the sister was was this hoarder and so they have to spend all this time kind of getting the house ready to sell and as they're staying in this house in this small town they meet their neighbor uh, played by Brian Dennehy in one of the last movies that he made before he passed away um, who is this kind of old uh, seemingly crotchety Korean war veteran. Mm. And you would think it would be, this is the setup for like the wacky kind of comedy, like, Oh, the the cranky old guy makes friends with the little kid or whatever. And the old guy does make friends with the little kid, but he's not cranky in the sense that he's resistant. He's just kind of keeps to himself, but he's a nice guy who's kind of lonely a bit and neglected a bit. And these people just have this really meaningful and rich connection with each other. And so it's a bit about grief. It's a bit about coming to terms with family that you didn't know. And it's a bit about uh, this older guy kind of reaching the end of his life and looking back at what he achieved. And it's just like, I cried at the end, man. I did. There you go. It's uh, it's like 83 minutes long. It's really short, but it's totally beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, no, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. It is something I watched the trailer and I thought it looks really good. I, I'm hoping to catch it one of these days soon. Uh, it it looks like a really interesting and, and sweet film. And yeah, it, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, sweet, I think is a good way to describe it. It's It's very sweet. Right on. Well, uh, a little bit on the other end of the spectrum, something <laughs> that came out in theaters uh, towards the beginning of the year. One of, one of the few th- Movies I got to see in the theater that's on my list. And a movie I almost didn't include, but it 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 squeezed its way into number 10, and that is Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. 
uh, which I, yeah, I know you didn't, you weren't much of a fan of this one. And I, I was almost going to put Arkansas in my, my number 10 slot, to be honest. It's like almost, these a, are, almost they're a kind tie. of similar, really. They are in a lot of ways. Absolutely. But I, the reason the gentleman had to squeeze in is because of Hugh Grant's performance, which just has stayed with me and is so much fun. And obviously lots of people have talked about how fun his performance is in this movie, but, uh, it just, it just made me laugh so much. And it's one of the, you know, one of the really fun movie experiences I got in the theater this year. The movie itself is maybe, it maybe doesn't recapture the Guy Ritchie thing of his earlier films, The Snatch and the Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and all that. But, but still, I thought I had plenty of fun with it. And like I said, mainly the Hugh Grant thing is what squeezed it into that number 10 slot for me. Yeah, it's okay actually. I I my 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 reaction there was maybe a little stronger than necessary, I think. <laughs> You're right. It's it tries to recapture that early guy Richie thing. It doesn't quite do it, but it still has some fun stuff and I did I like this is a movie. It's not as much a movie that like I really disliked. It's just a movie that I kind of didn't even remember existed. Right. I felt like that was sort of the impression it made on me. So, but Hugh Grant is fun in it. Yeah. Yeah, and fun and fun side note, uh my dad watched it a few weeks ago and bought it on our Amazon account and now I own it and I'll always remember that I have it because it's in my streaming account. So that's fun. You can watch it anytime. You can just watch it over and over and over again. Do you think I'll ever watch it again, Josh? I hope not. Probably not. I, you no. never know. Yeah. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> so why don't we move on to your number 9? All right. So my number nine pick is definitely the most obscure thing on this list and a movie that I never would have come across or expected to like, except uh, I've been writing this column about obscure VOD releases every month for a website called Crooked Marquee. So I spend my time kind of like looking for weird things like Wrestle Massacre. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and almost always these movies are very bad, but they're kind of fun to watch and fun to write about. And this movie, my number nine pick is a movie called Raising Buchanan, which I picked to write about in that column because it sounded like something that would be really dumb uh, and probably bad. And it's about uh, this woman who is kind of a kind of a loser, kind of a slacker. She's uh, getting, you know, around 40 and she's on probation from some petty crime and she has a dead end job and she doesn't know what to do with her life. And she discovers that uh, the corpse of President James Buchanan is in a warehouse in her town in, it's in Phoenix, I think the whole, it's a, like a locally produced Phoenix, Arizona movie. And uh, for some reason, the corpse has been loaned to some museum or something, I don't even remember, but she decides she's gonna kidnap the corpse of James Buchanan and ransom it because it's a president, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and and get money, and this is going to be her way to kind of turn her life around. And and so she does this, and discovers that nobody wants this corpse back, or believes her that she actually stole it. And so it's this this kind of absurdist comedy about her going down the list of people from the government to uh, some museum in in like Pennsylvania or wherever it is that he's from. And uh, your your favorite uh, uh, state guys, uh, Robert Ben Garrett, has a, a small role as Sweet. one of the people that she calls. The main thing, I mean, it's a it's a fun, goofy premise that's executed well. And uh, Amanda Melby is the name of the star, and she's good. The main thing about this movie that is so good, though, is Renee Aubergenois who uh, is also just like Brian Dennehy. This is one of the last things he did before he passed away. And he plays James Buchanan as this kind of imaginary presence that the main character uh, envisions who 
is berating her about her dead end life and then is also trying to defend his reputation as one of the worst presidents of all time. And it's just such a fantastic performance from Rene Arbergenois. And it's funny, but it also gives you this sort of like tragic sense of James Buchanan, who's sort of the presidential equivalent of this loser main character. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's great. It made me think I would want to watch a whole like one man show of him. And this is a movie that no one has seen. I was looking, it's been, it's been logged by 19 people on Letterboxd. <laughs> wow. Um, but I hope more people see it. It is out on VOD, uh, Raising Buchanan. Yeah, this is definitely on my list of things that I really want to see. You you told me about this a while ago, I think on the last time you were on Piecing It Together. Oh, yeah, actually. I think I did, yeah. And uh, it's, it sounds like something I would love. It just sounds so ridiculous and so fun. I've been, I think I've been just like, tooting the horn. I've been like the number one booster of this movie. I talked about it in my TV segment one week and I'm just going to, I'm going to do my damnedest to get more people to watch it. <laughs> well, it sounds great. I'm going to go with my number nine and another movie I got to see in the theaters. There's not a lot of them, but uh, Michael Winterbottom's Greed, which is a ridiculous kind of mockumentary sort of with Steve Coogan as just this like totally like gleeful member of the 1% and he's this 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 rich assholeish guy who's uh he he's trying to throw himself a birthday party and in celebration of all of his own excess and like total no uh you know, no knowledge of self, and and he's doing it in in uh, in a gladiator themed birthday party. Not not the not ancient like you know times gladiator, but the movie Gladiator. Which, <laughs> which, it's just it's so ridiculous and so funny, and um and th there's just a lot of really great moments in this one, and it was uh you know I guess a little under the radar. I think it you know it finally hit VOD uh like it took forever to finally come out and i don't know if people are finally starting to see it i know uh, another michael winterbottom film is out now maybe that's taking a little bit more of the uh more of the attention away and this one's just going to continue to stay under the radar but it's a great movie yeah i had read kind of mixed things about it when it came out and i think i actually was offered the chance to review it and i just didn't have uh you know any place to do that in and so i didn't bother mm -hmm. seeing it and uh michael winterbottom is a weird director who's made like every kind of movie imaginable For and sure. some of his movies i think are great i love his other like one other collaboration with steve coogan 24-hour party people i think that's sure. a fantastic movie so uh maybe i'll have to add this one to my list and see if it's up my alley it sounds like a very funny premise yeah yeah for sure so uh what do you got for number eight <laughs> So my number eight is actually a movie that I just watched uh, yesterday in anticipation for this and trying to catch up with things. Uh, it's called Sea Fever. Uh, it's a horror movie that is, it's basically like Alien or The Thing on a fishing boat. Yeah. Um, or uh, I saw one, one other, um, one person on Letterboxd described it as an episode of The X-Files that only shows you what happens before Mulder and Scully show up. And <laughs> so it's 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 derivative of all these things that I really like. And I feel like it's done uh, really well. It's Hermione uh, Corfield, I think is the name of the actress, who was also in another underrated horror movie called Rust, uh, Rust Creek last year. Um, and she plays this grad student 
who is uh, tagging along on a, on a fishing boat and she's trying to do some research and she's kind of like standoffish and she's not, you know, she's just an academic and she's not connecting with these salt of the earth fishing types. And they get out into the middle of the ocean and, and there's a sea monster. They get attacked by a sea monster and uh, it, it kind of infects them with these like spore things. And it's a lot of, really basic familiar horror movie elements Mm -hmm. that are just executed really well. Like it's, you know, this single location thing, which is always, I think, effective in a horror setting. You got your six characters, they're trapped in this boat. They start to kind of turn on each other. They don't trust each other. One of them, one or more of them may be infected. There's sabotage going on. And in the midst of it, you've got this really fascinating main character who has to step up as a scientist, but also as like sort of a leader that she gets thrust into this this position. Uh, and it's creepy and it's got really good special effects for what I'm sure was not a very large budget. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't entirely sure. I mean, I'd, I'd heard a lot of positive things and it sounded like a kind of movie I would like, but I wasn't entirely sure if it would work for me. And up until maybe the very end, that's a slight anticlimax. I just think it's a really good, uh, really good horror movie. See right yeah, I, I I saw you had mentioned this one, and I watched the trailer, and it did look like very much like every horror movie, especially of this specific kind, you know. And so that's what yeah. that's what stopped me from watching. I was like, eh, I've seen this before, you know. But from the way you're describing it, though, it does sound like it, you know, maybe does some things like really well in in the way where it's like it kind of transcends that a little bit. Yeah, I think so. You have definitely seen this before. There's really almost nothing in the movie that you haven't seen before, but it mm-hmm. all comes together, I think, really well. Right on. So I'll go with number eight. And again, three in a row that I saw in the theater. Uh, hey. Maybe uh, one of one of the more fun movies I saw in the theater this year, and that is Lee Whannell's The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss. And it is, of course, a major movie probably one of the more talked about movies that actually got to come out in theaters this year but it's a remake of the the classic monster film and kind of given a a modern update and i think it's just a really great suspense film it uh excellent score and it just does some really interesting and unique things that that i think uh kind of makes it stand out from just being more of just a run-of-the-mill horror film yeah, I liked it a lot. And uh, spoiler alert, it's coming up later on my list. So I'll save my comments for later. Awesome. What do you got for number seven? So my number seven pick is a Netflix movie. It's not Extraction, though. <laughs> uh, it is The Platform, the mm. Spanish horror movies. I feel like I I think I've got a good amount of horror movies on this list. And that Seems may like be it. because uh, horror movies are often uh, kind of shifted to VOD and streaming. And so we're getting a lot of those and not as much of some kind of movies in other genres. But I mean, the platform is more than just a horror movie. I mean, it's really, it's an allegory. In fact, I think at some some points, it's maybe too much of just an allegory Mm. and not like a story. But I feel like it's really effective uh, the way that it kind of combines 
the social commentary of it with a lot of this visceral horror with this main character who ends up in this weird prison thing that's divided into levels. And uh, there's a platform that goes down from level to level with food on it. And the further down it gets, the less and less food there is on it. And our main character tries valiantly to kind of uh, rally people to have solidarity and uh, allow everyone to eat. And of course, just like in real life, that's yes. not how it works. So it's very blunt. Like you could not watch this movie and not understand like what it's saying about society. Mm -hmm. um, but it just has like amazing production design, like the way this, this prison is constructed and the platform itself. And then it's got a lot of like really visceral, uh, scary moments of violence. And it does like make you think even if it's, kind of hitting you over the head. So I thought it worked as just an experience. And then also it works as uh, as a political allegory, reminded me of maybe like a Terry Gilliam kind of thing or something like that. So uh, yeah, the platform is on Netflix. Great movie. I, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. And I, also a really great example of like a less is more kind of a thing, like to, to really just squeeze every last ounce of, of, you know, out of that little, that little place, you know? Amazing. Yeah, I think so. And I think sometimes like you start watching this movie and once you get what it is about, which is like very easy to get, you think, or at least I thought I was like, how is this going to be like a whole movie? Right. But right. they come up with a lot of different directions to take the story that manages to make it feel like it really warrants being a feature film. For sure. Well, my number seven is also a Netflix movie. It uh. is Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, which I think was, we didn't do an episode on it here on the show. We probably should. Maybe we will one of these days. But uh, I, I do think it was a little messy, a little all over the place. I think Spike Lee kind of had a lot of ideas that he wanted to explore with this thing and did every last one of them all in one movie. But in that movie are some incredible performances from, I mean, just everyone in it, Delroy Lindo, of course, everybody, you know, he's kind of dominated the conversation, but also Jonathan Majors, uh, Chadwick Boseman, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. I mean, just really great performances. And then on top of that, I mean, I was just totally drawn into the story and, you know, everything that was going on, even if it was, you know, a little, like I said, a little all over the place, a little unfocused uh, at times. But still, uh, I think a great movie, a great follow-up with uh, Black Klansmen. I, I think uh, Spike Lee is doing some great stuff. Yeah, I think this is a movie that's going to be on a lot of people if they're making lists right now. And I was, I was not a huge fan of it, to be mm. honest. But I'm, I'm, you know, definitely in the in the uh, minority on that. I would say because it's been very well received. But I, I, I agree with you. That it's just, it's, it's so all over the place. It's so full of just like a whole bunch of things that don't to me really fit together mm -hmm. necessarily. I feel that way about a lot of Spike Lee movies and I I'm I'm rarely like super enthused about his work so it's just kind of not my wavelength. And honestly, I thought Delroy Lindo as much as he is a great actor, I thought his performance was kind of too much. A little a little over the top for you. A little over the top. I mean, I'm sure that's what was called for by Spike Lee, but to me it didn't it didn't strike me as much as a great performance. I, I preferred Clark Peters, who is also like always great, you know, mm -hmm. going back to the wire and everything as the kind of quieter main character there, the, the main other guy that he plays off of. I thought he was, he was really good. So I, I can respect that pick and I can respect that movie, but I didn't really enjoy watching it. For sure. Well, what do you got next? <laughs> 
<laughs> so my next pick is a movie that I did enjoy all the way through <laughs> is a movie that is super entertaining. Uh, it's Bad Education, which is an HBO film, but another movie that was at festivals last year and then was picked up. And uh, the director, Corey Finley, is someone who I was really, really impressed with his first film, Thoroughbreds, which was number one on my top 10 list for of whatever that was two years ago, maybe, or three years ago. Yeah. Um, and this movie is very different. It's a movie that he didn't write. And so it has less of maybe a personal stamp on it, but it's still so well constructed and like the editing in it and the pacing and the, the camera angles and just all of the, the way that he brings the script to life uh, is great. Hugh Jackman is so good. I think this is the best performance Hugh Jackman has ever given as mm -hmm. this, school superintendent on Long Island who's been embezzling money for years and is just beloved and charismatic. And even though he's stealing all this money to fund his lavish lifestyle, he clearly like really cares about all <laughs> the kids in the school district and they all really like him. Uh, Allison Janney as his kind of partner in crime who is less likable, um, but, <laughs> but she's fantastic. equally great though. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the character and it's a great contrast between the two characters and why she kind of is the one who gets arrested first and gets the blame first because she's not as much a beloved kind of person within the district. Um, but yeah, they're fantastic. Geraldine Viswanathan, who I think is like a great up and coming star, uh, is a lot of fun as the student reporter who discovers what's going on. And it's just a super entertaining movie. And one of those crazy true stories that you just can't believe that every little twist in it is true. But uh, it really is. I think it sticks to there, there. There isn't a lot of embellishment. And the writer is actually somebody who went to that school. Right, uh, right. Although after like a, a few years after the scandal happened. So um, yeah, you know, everybody has HBO Max now, I guess you can watch it on there. Yes, you can. And guess what, Josh Bell? What? My number six is Bad Education as well. Oh, all right. We did it. We did it. We tied hey. one. All right. But yeah, no, I, I I loved it. I didn't get to it for like a long time. You know, I had seen all the praise this movie had gotten. Like, what did it come out in like February, I think, or maybe March? Um, and I didn't get yeah, to it, was, it until it was last month. Yeah, it shutdown. So yeah, maybe March. March, yeah. And I didn't get to it until last month. But yeah, it was uh, absolutely fantastic. And I also didn't realize going into it that it was that same director from Thoroughbreds was I also absolutely loved and it doesn't like seem like it's the same director but uh I'm really interested to see uh what Corey Finley does next I mean very interesting filmmaker yeah I mean and as much as I really liked Bad Education I kind of would hope that whatever he does next is a movie that he writes that is maybe a little more of a personal stamp like sure. Thoroughbreds but yeah but even if it's not even if he gets hired to direct a Marvel movie or something. I'll be excited <laughs> to see it. You know, whatever. He's obviously got a lot of talent. Absolutely. There. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, so that's my six as well. So let's go to your number five. All right. Well, my number five is a movie that I saw in the theater. This is, I think the first theatrical, uh, film that I've got on my list. All right. It is Kitty Green's The Assistant mm. and definitely a tough experience to watch this movie. Uh, and I'm glad I saw it in the theater because it's the kind of thing that you want to be like able to focus on, mm -hmm. you know, and not be tempted to look away from. Uh, and it's a very slow movie, so you kind of have to immerse yourself in it. It stars uh, Julia Garner, who is absolutely fantastic. She's a great actor. I know people see her a lot now because she's on Ozark, which is sure. I'm glad I'm glad that that's the case, even though I don't like that show. But I'm glad more people are uh, seeing Julia Garner, and she's amazing in this movie. 
as an assistant, a kind of like bottom rung assistant at this unnamed movie production company in this like really drab, ugly office building in New York City. And it's anyone who knows anything about this movie knows that it's meant to be a reference to the Harvey Weinstein scandal. And she works for this, this unnamed boss that we never even see. We just kind of hear his voice from time to time, who's clearly just this terrible tyrant and also is taking advantage of various women. Um, And as much as the movie is about that, it's also just about the like dehumanizing process of being the least important person in the office and the way that she has to get there at like the crack of dawn and make everyone's coffee and make all these copies and just do all this stuff that everyone takes for granted and everyone treats her terribly, even though she herself is not like sexually harassed. It's just that the way that she's diminished as a human being mm. as this movie goes on, and, and in some ways related to her gender, and in some ways just related to the position that she's in. Sure. Um, and the best thing this movie has is when when she kind of gradually figures out that the boss is uh, taking advantage of this particular young woman who's come in to be uh, potentially an actress, and he's booked her a hotel room, and she realizes this is really not okay. And she goes to HR, and there's this, this centerpiece scene with Matthew McFadden, who's another actor who's been in a ton of things, and he's on Succession now. I think people are seeing him a lot. And he is the HR rep, and just the back and forth between the two of them over the course of this scene, as you realize how invested he is in protecting the company and the way he discourages her from making any kind of complaint. It's it's so uncomfortable, but it's honestly the best scene that I have seen in a movie this year, period. Um, so I know I'm making it sound like it's like not fun to watch this movie, but it's just a great, <laughs> it's a great like accomplishment of filmmaking. Um, and it is available to watch at home. Kitty Green, it's her first feature and it's great. The assistant. Yeah. I, I need to finally get around to watching this. It sounds like, it sounds like something that's really, uh, really great and really powerful and good. I, I want to see this for sure. And I haven't yet. Yeah, I recommend it, but you know, you just maybe you got to be in the right frame of mind before For you sure. sit down. It's short. It's short though. You know, you're it's intense, but then it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go to my number five, which is uh, Baby Teeth from director Shannon Murphy, which is the newest movie on my list that I've seen. I just watched this yesterday, and you know, I was something that I was trying to catch up on some movies before we recorded this episode. And so many people told me I needed to see it. And I mean, I just truly loved it. It's, it's funny. It's weird. It's just so, it, it said you through like so many emotions throughout the story. Uh, the, the star Eliza Scanlon, she was uh, last year in little women and, um, also in that sharp, sharp object show. Uh, she's fantastic in it. Um, the, what's the, guy's name i didn't write his name is it ben mendelson isn't it oh ben mendelson's awesome in it too but no actually toby wallace is who i was thinking of who's the other uh young actor in it uh also amazing but yeah ben mendelson is awesome too uh just a a fantastic movie just really i mean it's such it's hard to to tell people about it because as soon as you hear like oh like the terminal teenager you know coming of age movie you think oh one of those but it just does such an interesting spin on it and uh, just such a great movie uh, it was really really enjoyable and like I said I mean it just takes you really for a ride and also the the director I believe it's her first film um, Shannon Murphy uh, I know she worked in television but. Um, uh, just really a, a lot of interesting stuff in the way that she shoots things, the way that the film moves. It's just really uh, just constantly going, 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 like very kind of fast paced, even though it's kind of 
what otherwise would kind of feel like a slow story. It's just really well done movie. I thought. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I definitely, uh, want to see it. It's on my list as long as it's not, uh, it's no me and Earl and the dying girl. As far as those things go, as long as it's not like that. It, you know, what? this is probably going to be our next, uh, episode of piecing it together next week. And it's, oh, an I, did I ruin your puzzle piece there? You didn't ruin anything. It's an impossible comparison to not make, but I think, I think you'll like it more than that though. Well, I hope so. I kind of hated that one. Yes, but, uh, but I've sure. heard nothing but good things about this. I definitely want to see it. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Awesome. What do you got for number four? So my number four is a movie that I know we both liked, and I'm, I'm guessing it may be on your list still, but maybe not, uh, is a teen comedy called Banana Split that I just absolutely loved. Um, it's, it's another movie that I picked up for that VOD column that looked like kind of a fringe thing. Um, and was just so entertaining and so enjoyable and so feeling like it's true to life of that the teenage experience about uh, the intense bonds of friendship and also the intense like crushes and relationships that people have as teenagers. It stars uh, Liana Liberato and Hannah Marks, who are both fantastic. Hannah Marks also co-wrote the screenplay, incredibly talented. Uh, they play these two teenage girls who have dated the same guy. One of them is the ex and one of them is the current girlfriend. And you think that they would hate each other, but they turn out to become best friends. Uh, but they're hiding it from the guy that they, they're, they're sort of mutual boyfriend slash ex-boyfriend. And it's really, it's not about this guy who's kind of a one-dimensional character, although he, he has presence in the movie. It's really about the friendship and just the joy of finding a friend who understands you and the intensity of it. And it's funny and it's well-crafted. And I think, uh, you know, it's been compared to like Booksmart, which a movie that I liked a lot. And I know you didn't really, but nah. I think... <laughs> people who like that or people who like that kind of thing, even if you didn't like that particular movie, um, I I just think these kinds of movies, if you liked Lady Bird, um, if you liked uh, The Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld, which are all, all, these are all movies that I think are fantastic. And I think Banana Split absolutely belongs alongside there. And yeah. I just got uh, an email the other day with the list of what's coming up on Netflix in July, and it's going to be on Netflix in July. So I hope that'll mean that a nice. lot more people will get the chance to see it. Oh yeah, that would be great. Cause yeah, it, it's, it's a shame that nobody has seen this movie, you know? And yes. so I, I completely agree. It's great. And it's like probably just right below my top 10. Like, you know, I, I really, really, uh, loved it a lot. Also happens to be your, uh, partner in crime over at awesome movie years pick for uh best movie of the year so far. So, Oh, is it? Yeah. Jason Harris. Did he, did he send you a, a list or some comments or whatever? Yeah. I'll read some more comments towards the end, but that is, oh, all right. that, that was his, uh, uh, his pick so yeah. well it's a good pick i know he liked it a lot and i i'm, I'm glad that he uh he picked it i think it's a strong choice absolutely all right my number four is a movie that really kind of took me by surprise and that is the vast of night an amazon original from director andrew patterson uh and it's just this movie that while you know, you've you've seen it so many times before. This this kind of uh, War of the Worlds esque uh, UFO story um, told basically a lot of a lot of which is happening via radio transmission, and it, it's so familiar. But at the same time, at no point did I really have a good idea of what might be coming next at any point in this movie, and I felt just like I was hanging on every word of the dialogue, which this is a very dialogue-heavy movie, and I just think it's so 
perfectly written the way that these characters interact with each other and how they talk and and like i said it's very dialogue heavy and you're either going to be in for that or or you're out but i do think that this is uh one of the biggest surprises i've had this year watching a movie i did not expect that much from it and then just i was just hanging on every minute of it and just really exciting when something like that comes along yeah, I liked it. I mean, this movie has been heavily hyped and it's gotten great reviews and I was looking forward. It's the kind of thing that I usually really like. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. I felt like I sort of admired it more than I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I was impressed with the way it was put together and it's done on a really small budget and the, what they managed to do on that budget is really like the cinematography is amazing and yeah. the score is really good and the performances. But I guess it just... I don't know. It didn't, it didn't like reach me as much like as a, an emotional experience, but, mm -hmm. um, but I definitely liked it and I'm definitely interested in whatever that director or whatever Andrew Patterson does next. I mean, it's been such a huge sensation. I was joking about Corey Finley, but he's, he's the kind of guy having made this movie that he'll probably get to make like a Marvel movie next. I know it does seem like it for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our top three. What do you got for number three? So my number three pick is a movie that you mentioned already is The Invisible Man from mm -hmm. Lee Winnell. And I, even though this movie was very well reviewed, I was a little skeptical because I haven't particularly cared for a lot of stuff that Lee Winnell has done. And the last movie that he directed, Upgrade, was a movie that was really well reviewed and I thought was completely stupid. Um, <laughs> and I didn't enjoy. So I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. Um, but I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I think as much as like Lee Winnell does an excellent job with the direction here. Um, something that I don't know if you and I were talking about this, or I've been talking about this with somebody, the idea that you can create suspense and scares by just pointing the camera at nothing, right. I think is so impressive that, you know, because the invisible man is the villain here and you're afraid of, of nothing that you just kind of pan the camera over to a corner in the room and you can make the audience tense up. Like, yeah. that's great. Um, and, but Elizabeth Moss, I think is really the reason why this movie works. Sure. She's such a fantastic actor and it's a part that she's playing that could easily be ridiculous where she has to be afraid of nothing the whole time. Yeah. And I think a lesser actor could have made that just fall apart, but she's so good that you believe it every step of the way you're with that character every step of the way. So uh, I think maybe seeing this in a, in a full theater also helped, you know, when you kind of go along with an audience and maybe if this was a movie that I didn't get to see until uh, I saw it at home, then I wouldn't have liked it as much. But um, yeah, certainly the, I would say the, the best uh, experience I had in a movie theater this right. year, you know, up until the point where we couldn't go anymore. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I think it's true it, as, as much as the movie does so many, uh, like interesting inventive things like like you said with the with the scares based on just pointing the camera uh, it it is the elizabeth moss show basically for the whole two yeah hours. yeah absolutely yeah. and she's she's great in it and i know this has been a good year for her i haven't seen shirley but um i'm sure she's amazing in that as well yeah so my number three is a movie that i'm sure you liked because we talked about it here on the show that is oz perkins gretel and hansel which uh, is, I think, just like a perfectly just visual film. I mean, it, it does so many interesting things visually uh, that just kind of stick in your mind. And it just, 
it's so unique and interesting. And to, to tell a classic story that we all know so well and to do that in just an interesting new way, I think is really exciting. And uh, also some really great performances, obviously. Um, uh, Sophia Lillis as Gretel, and then of course uh, Alice Krieg as as uh, the witch. And I, I mean, it's it's uh it's just it does some really really exciting things, and it, it was a fun one to talk about on the show. You know, getting into some of, some of the things that we felt were uh, inspirations on that. It, it was definitely a fun conversation to have, and yeah, I mean, th- this is definitely one of the better things I got to see in the theater this year. Yeah, I I fully agree, and uh, I'll I'll say more about it in a in a later pick. So. Coming up soon. <laughs> Coming up very soon. <laughs> All right, what do you got for uh, number two? So my number two pick is another movie that we talked about on piecing it together, but that I know you were not a super fan of, but that I absolutely loved mm-hmm. is uh, Sella and the Spades, mm-hmm. which is uh, an Amazon original. Amazon. Let's let's also. I just want to shout out to Amazon. Uh, and their original movie division, which has been killing it this year between Sella and the Spades. And as you mentioned, The Vast of Night, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Blow the Man Down, which is a, a really kind of fun noirish thriller and 7500 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, all mm-hmm. really good movies, the yeah. Amazon originals that have come out this year. But um, Sella and the Spades, to me, by far, is the best of those movies. It is another a debut feature from Tyree Chapeau. And uh, I mean, I think like... Uh, you know, like Kitty Green and the assistant. Um, it's amazing how confident this movie is and how well constructed it is from a first time filmmaker. It is beautiful to look at. It has this perfect kind of like gangster tone to it, although it's set in a high school and it's about these high school cliques that are uh, facing off against each other. And it, it just blends those two elements so well. Uh, Lovey Simone, who's the main star who plays Sella, is fantastic as this queen bee of high school who is also sort of a crime lord, but is also like insecure about her grades. And just all of those elements come together beautifully. The set design, the costumes, I just was like mesmerized by this movie from beginning to end. I wish I had gotten to see it in a theater because I think that would have been a great experience, but I still loved it watching at home. Yeah, uh, I like you said, I, I didn't like it as much as you did, but um, it is just such an accomplished first time out for a filmmaker. I mean, it is, it's really a well-made film, even if I didn't connect with it a hundred percent, definitely, you know, a great pick. And, and I'm interested to see what uh, she's going to do going forward. Yeah. I hope uh, she gets the chance, you know, like Corey Finley to, to do something uh, or like Andrew Patterson, instead of a Marvel movie to do something that's her own original project based on the success of this one. So, Josh, I'm not exactly proud of my number two pick. Is it Extraction? No, it's not Extraction. It's <laughs> quite possibly worse. Um, okay. It is the video game adaptation, Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm oh not kidding. God. Yeah, I'm not kidding, Josh. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, I, look... I told you I'm not pr- I'm not proud of this, okay? But well, I mean, if you just like if you're gonna pick it, like own it. Be yeah, proud if, of if you if you like something, you like something, you know. Yeah. And I look, I am I am such a fan of that that '90s era Jim Carrey 
you know, um, the, just the classic era Jim Carrey. And to me, this is peak Jim Carrey all over again. I'm getting, I'm getting one last slice of peak era Jim Carrey here. And I laughed so hard at everything he did in this stupid movie. Um, I even had fun with the Sonic stuff in a kid's movie kind of way. I've never been a Sonic the Hedgehog guy. I'm a Mario guy 100% all the way since I was a kid. But... I showed up for this movie for a train wreck, and what I got is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. What can I say? I, I, it is what it is. I don't even know how to respond to that. You, you don't have to, but if you, if you, if you have anything else you want to say, uh, I, 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 no, I can I take mean, it. I don't, I don't need to say that I thought it sucked. I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> a given, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take down your, uh, your appreciation. If you love Sonic the Hedgehog, then. You know, then you're in luck because I think they're making a sequel to it. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sure. (laughs) All right. My number one won't be as bad. So uh, what do you got for your number one? So my number one pick is Oz Perkins, Gretel and Hansel, as uh, alluded to. And it's a fantastic movie. Uh, I'm glad I got to see it in a theater in a in a empty theater i'm pretty sure there <laughs> yeah. were like two other people <laughs> Us too. nobody nobody went to see this movie uh i mean i remember when we talked about it, i think it was a january it was like early january release maybe yeah um and we talked about how oh it was surprising that this movie even got released in theaters because it's the kind of thing that usually would get pushed to home home video sure. and it's lucky because if this movie had been set to come out in march it's not the kind of movie that would have been held on to to be released in a theater it would have no. just been pushed to Netflix or something like that. So I'm glad I got to see it in a theater. Everything you said about it is true. Sophia Lillis is fantastic. Alice Kriege is fantastic as the witch. The production design, the score in this movie is amazing. Oh yeah, I didn't um, even mention that. Yeah, so good. The 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 pacing, it's another pretty short movie, but that like every moment of it builds to exactly the right tone it's it's super creepy and unsettling it's the kind of thing you you know if you watch late at night at home with the lights out it's going to freak you out um i think oz perkins is incredibly talented and um you know to to say again i hope that he gets the chance to make more movies that are his own weird thing this is his third movie um i thought his first two were really good as well um i'm sure this movie did not make the kind of money that would give him a marvel movie but hopefully it at least gives him a little bit of a budget to make another horror movie because he's great at it so uh yeah i don't know i'm sure it's available for home watching on some platforms to rent or I don't know if it's on any subscription services, but wherever it is, people should check it out because it's fantastic. And I could even see this, depending on how the whole weird world of movies goes in the next six months, I could even see this maybe being my number one movie at the end of the year. Yeah, that's that's a strong, strong statement. Not as strong as my uh, Sonic the Hedgehog being on my top 10 movies of the year list. But is, is Sonic the Hedgehog also number one on your list? Is that how you... Uh, la- la- ladies and gentlemen, um, no, no, it's not. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do uh, I, I do love uh, Gretel and Hansel. Really freaking great movie. So uh, my number one is a movie called Francis Ferguson, which uh, is... You know, again, we talk about these movies that, you know, were 2019 releases. It did hit festivals in 2019, but it is listed as a 2020 movie on Amazon, which is the only place you could see it. Uh, But this is just such a, a movie that is just so connected with its own just dry, just 
bleak sense of the world and it is just it's got such a strange sense of humor and director bob byington who i got to interview here on the show uh he's just got such a such a point of view that i definitely don't think is for everybody but uh i connected with this movie so much i think kaylee willis the star of this movie it's her her first uh lead performance in a movie and it's probably my favorite performance of the year as well um she basically is this woman who decides that she's uh, so bored with her life that she has an affair with a student to kind of take her life to back to zero kind of to, to throw her life away in a way and uh it's it's a it's a hard ask to ask someone to go along with a protagonist who has an affair with a underage student but um it is it's hilarious it is weird it is dark and it is uh my favorite thing i've seen this year well, yeah, I've I've definitely uh, was aware of your enthusiasm for this movie, and it's something that I should uh, should check out um, because it sounds fascinating. It, it is, and uh, and also it kind of led me to uh, Seven Chinese Brothers, his, one of his previous films, which I also love. One of my other favorite things that's from a few years ago, but um, another great movie that I that I wouldn't have even known about if it wasn't for, <laughs> for this one. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's our top 10 right there. Before we move on to our, um, our, you know, honorable mention thing that we want to do, I was going to read off a few, uh, favorite movie picks from some members of our popcorn and puzzle pieces group. Uh, oh, right. like I said, Jason Harris had mentioned banana split. Also two people, Chad Clinton Freeman and Victor Augustin mentioned birds of prey, which, uh, all right. I, I actually, uh, up until watching Sea Fever and mm-hmm. adding that to my list, I had Birds of Prey at number 10. So yeah, I, I liked it as well. I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was all right. Uh, yeah. Joe Black had Greed, and he was who joined me for the episode on that one. Uh, Paul Hibbard mentioned The Five Bloods. Tony Strauss mentioned Shirley, uh, which neither of us have seen yet. Uh, William Rill mentioned uh, Gretel and Hansel. Uh, which he also said, "Butt Boy" is right behind it. <laughs> oh, I've I've seen Butt Boy, and uh, again for that VOD column that I do, and I, I it's something, but it's not a good something. <laughs> and then uh, Siggy Vargas mentioned "The Way Back," which I actually really enjoyed. Um, you know, yeah, that's a solid movie. Yeah, solid mainstream drama. It was it was good. And Rich Barnes mentioned Tiger King, but that's not a movie. <laughs> no, it's not a movie. Strike that from the record. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, to finish this thing up, Josh, I said that what I want to do is talk about a few honorable mentions that aren't movies, just other things that we really enjoyed that entertained us this year. They could be TV, it could be music, it could be anything else in the world of entertainment. What do you got for your first one? So we're not doing these in any kind of countdown order, right? No, no set, no set order or anything. All right. Well, I'll start with music and I will mention... Carly Rae Jepsen and her album Dedicated Side B, which um, is a sort of companion piece to her album Dedicated that came out last year. And this is something she's done twice now. Her previous album, Emotion, also had a quote Side B, which is it's sort of like an outtakes collection, but her outtakes are like better than the singles released by most other pop singers. Mm-hmm. I think she's fantastic and is just like the purest distillation of like catchy 
pop music that will make you feel good, but it's not like saccharin. It's not like a guilty pleasure. I don't feel bad for liking it. I think it's just impeccably crafted mm -hmm. and it's oftentimes her lyrics are really clever. And even if they're not, they're just true and fun and make you feel like life is worth living. So, um, seriously, <laughs> that I mean, now. I would, <laughs> I would recommend everything that she's done, but this just came out, uh, I think in May is dedicated side B, uh, companion piece to dedicated. So I love Carly Rae Jepsen and, uh, this is a chance for me to tell the world about it. There you go. Scream it from the rooftops. Um, yes. no, I I've liked everything I've ever heard from her. I've never dived into any of the albums though. So I probably should one of these days. I highly recommend it. I've seen her in concert and, uh, you know, who knows whenever we'll ever get to see a concert again, but, uh, oh, yeah. if it happens, I recommend that as well. I think we'll be at a movie long before that. And that's still oh, a yes, long ways off. Certainly. certainly. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to start on the TV side of things. Um, and I'm going to single out just a straight up performance, actually. And that is Tony Dalton's Lalo Salamanca from Better Call Saul season five, which this character just came in and just stole this whole show away. Uh, every scene he's in just is the best thing that's happened on the show. And I definitely am one of those people in the camp of Better Call Saul is a better show overall than Breaking Bad. Uh, I, I love Better Call Saul. I've loved all five seasons, but this just absolutely, uh, I hate the phrase takes it to a new level, but takes it to a new level. It, he's so much fun every time he's on screen. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I, I never liked Breaking Bad. I gave up on it after two seasons. And so mm -hmm. I've never watched Better Call Saul, but I know every other person in the world loves it. So I'm sure it's great. <laughs> what do you got next? So I'm going to go to TV for, for two more picks. I'll start with, uh, something that I think I recommended on this show, uh, at one point, maybe when we talked about Gretel and Hansel, cause it also stars Sophia Lillis mm. and that's the Netflix series. I am not okay with this, which I feel like deserves way more attention. I mean, everyone is watching Netflix now and there's a lot of terrible Netflix shows that have become huge sensations, yeah. stuff like outer banks, which is just trash is just total <laughs> trash. And yet this movie, this, this show seemed to have kind of come and gone without people really paying much attention to it, but I think it's great. It's like a John Hughes coming of age story meets Carrie with Sophia Lillis as this, this awkward teenager who discovers that she has telekinetic powers and has to kind of deal with that along with the typical teenage awkwardness. And she's so good in it. It definitely has a bit of an eighties throwback feel, although it takes place in the modern day and it's got a great balance between like the character stuff and the comedy and also like intriguing, weird sci-fi things. And it ends on this cliffhanger that I'm really eager to see what happens next if there ever is another season, but mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. It's maybe seven episodes that are like 23 minutes long. It's a super quick watch. And uh, I, I wish it hadn't disappeared so quickly because I, I think it's really worth watching. Right on. I, I, I should watch it. I, I remember when you mentioned it last time, it sounded really interesting. And like I said, obviously, I love uh, I love the actress, Sophia Lewis. And so it's like. It sounds great. And yeah, there's a lot of bad Netflix. I will agree with you. So about. much. And the, and the bad <laughs> stuff seems to rise to the top. That's what, uh, you know, you look at the, look at the Netflix top 10 at yeah. any given moment. And it's just like you weep for humanity. I suppose it's like looking at the box office top 10. It's just the new version of that. But, sure. you know, to mention extraction again, oh, that's, boy. it's always way up there. But this one has not been. <laughs> well, my next one, also TV, it is... 
uh, Alex Garland's Devs, um, the FX on Hulu uh, series. I do think it maybe could have done better as a movie. I think maybe they, you know, artificially padded it a little bit like they do tend to do with a lot of these kinds of shows lately. But even with that being said, it is just such a fascinating sci-fi show. Uh, some just, you know, I my favorite, like when it comes to sci-fi, I'm not always the biggest sci-fi guy, but when it comes to sci-fi, I want something that's going to really, you know, just like gnaw its way in and make you think for a while. And every week that this show was coming out, uh, every week I was thinking about it just nonstop right up until that next episode came. And then with the finale, uh, continuing on from there, uh, and now that it's over and it is, you know, it was just a, a, a limited series, so it is over. It's not going to have another season or anything. Although Alex Garland has said that he'd really love to make another show with the same cast and a, just like a totally different thing. So I'm interested to see what that would be, or I'm interested to see him go back into the movies because, you know, Ex Machina and Annihilation are just so great. So, uh, but it, it, it continues a lot of the same kind of themes that he was exploring with those movies. And then a lot of that just uh, impeccable like design choice and like crazy huge scores and uh, just the things that that he's been becoming known as as a director. Yeah, I like that show too. I think I agree with with your praise and your criticisms. It really, to me, felt like it should have been a movie. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of detours along the way that I thought were kind of unnecessary, and I was a little let down by the ending. I, I felt like it was a little anticlimactic after all that time. Whereas I feel like maybe if it had been like a two hour or even two and a half hour movie, I would have been less let down than if I had spent, you know, nearly eight hours watching it. I get that um, completely. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, overall it's good. The production design, all the design sense of it is really is great. And the performances, I'd love to see him do something else with that cast. Yeah. Um, hopefully maybe not a miniseries, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked devs a lot too. Yeah. Right on. What do you got for your uh, last one? So my last thing is another TV show, and it is on Apple TV Plus, which right. nobody watches. Hey, and we do. Do you? Yeah, okay. yeah. Gina well, and I have watched can... almost every show on there, actually. Oh, my God. I, I actually have watched a lot of their programming as well because I've ended up writing about it. And mm-hmm. almost always, I think this is not a reason to subscribe to this <laughs> yeah. service that no one subscribes to. Yeah. Um, but to me, this show is like the only reason to subscribe to Apple TV+. Plus. It's Central Park, the animated show mm. from uh, Lauren Bouchard, who is the creator of Bob's Burgers, uh, as well as from Josh Gad, is the co-creator here and one of the stars. And people hate Josh Gad like a lot. Yeah. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, I saw Artemis Fowl, so I understand <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> why people hate Josh Gad. But I feel like... The, like this plays to his strengths, which is he's this like ridiculously exuberant musical theater guy. And when he gets the chance to do that in a show that, I mean, this is, it's a musical, it's a full on musical. Every episode has multiple original songs in big production numbers that feel like they could have come from a Broadway musical. And this is the right place for Josh Gad. The whole cast are just fantastic voice actors and singers. It's got uh, Leslie Odom Jr. and David Diggs, both from Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, Kristen Bell, Catherine Hahn, Stanley Tucci, and uh, Titus Burgess from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, who's also a great Broadway star. And it's just, it's like super wholesome. It's about this family, the family of the, the 
guy who is the like curator, or I'm not sure exactly what his title is, but he like manages the park and it's him and his family and, and they love each other and they try to have fun together. And I think like when I was describing driveways, which is like a nice movie about people being nice to each other. Yeah. Uh, this is that this has more antagonism. Stanley Tucci plays this, uh, sort of evil uh, real estate developer who wants to buy Central Park and turn it into Times Square. So there's more of that conflict. But most of this movie is just like fun and nice and it's just like super clever and the animation looks great. It looks like Bob's Burgers, but that's good. Mm -hmm. And um, the songs are fantastic. They're catchy. So like I never, and I've been, I've been actually at the moment I'm watching another Apple TV plus show that I have to review. Um, it's just like a chore to get through. And I <laughs> felt like that about almost all of their shows. And so I was so surprised. I was like, what, this is good. Not only is this good, like, this is like my favorite thing on TV. Like, how is that <laughs> happening? But if you haven't gotten to it and you have Apple TV plus, then watch Central Park. That's gotta be next on my list, I guess. Since uh, yes. that's like the only show I think maybe there's one or two others, but <laughs> we haven't actually watched on there. There are only a few, which is one of the problems with the whole service is that they don't have a lot of content. Yeah. But, but yeah. we got Greyhound coming up soon. That is true. <laughs> that is something that is coming up. That's a thing that's happening. Uh, so um, I cheated for my last pick. I combined three albums that were my three what? favorite of the year so far. I know. I'm oh, sorry, Josh, but I'm, I'm allowed. So uh, just briefly, Jason Isbell reunions, which I guess if I had to choose one, that would be my main pick, uh, which is maybe his best album. It's just absolutely an incredible album. Uh, if you're into that Americana kind of thing, uh, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, been long, way too long since her last album. And this is another excellent one, just so inventive and so fresh and just exciting and just really from, from track to track, just she's always trying new things and just a joy to listen to really. And then, uh, lastly, one of my favorite artists, Butch Walker, his new album, American love story, which is a little all over the place, I think, but it's got some really great songs on it. I, I like Butch Walker a lot too, but I feel like he's very hit and miss and there's mm -hmm. like, he's, and he's very prolific. Yeah. So there's like probably just as many of his albums that I didn't really like that didn't do anything for me as that I loved. So I totally didn't even remember that he had, a new album out <laughs> yeah. this year, but I should check that out because uh, his good stuff, I think, is is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. When he's good, he's great. And when otherwise, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about does it, Josh. Uh, any, any closing thoughts on the midway point of 2020? No, I mean, I think my main thought is just that if people are thinking that because movie theaters are closed, there's somehow no new movies to watch or no good movies to watch, they definitely should not think that. And that yeah. like every week I'm, you know, I'm writing reviews and I'm doing a TV segment and I'm doing radio segments and I have to like narrow it down to like, yeah. what can I cover? Because there's so much stuff that looks interesting to cover. So wherever it is, whatever streaming service you have, or if you have the budget to rent some VOD movies or virtual cinema or whatever it is, just Keep watching movies. I have to agree. And you get, you know how staunchly, you know, theater anti-watching at home I usually am. But it's like there's so much coming out. And uh, I sure shit am not going to the theater anytime soon. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. No, me neither. I, I may be going to the drive-in. I'm, I'm still kind of like yeah. uh, debating that. But I think once... Once we get, if it really happens and we get some of these big releases coming in the next month or so, I'll probably end up at the drive-in. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I'll be at the car next year. How about that? 
All right. The, the 10 feet away car next it, to me. It's now. a date, Josh. It's a yeah, date. Sounds good. <laughs> Why don't you tell people where they can find your podcast, Awesome Movie Year? Ah, yes. Awesome Movie Year, co-hosted by Jason Harris. You can listen to wherever you listen to Piecing It Together. You can go to awesomemovieyear.com. You can follow us at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter and at Awesome Movie Year on Facebook. And Instagram, although I don't think we I literally have ever posted anything on Instagram. So <laughs> one day it'll happen. Don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> um, and my stuff, you can find me at joshbellhateseverything.com, at signalbleed on Twitter, and at joshbellhateseverything on Facebook. And you can still watch me on KTNV Channel 13 here in Vegas on the Friday 11 a.m. news. You can see my living room because I do it all from home. I love when I catch you on there. It's always great. Oh, I'm like, oh my God, it's Josh. <laughs> you and my grandma. My grandma <laughs> loves watching it. Warning, do not listen while hungry. Hi, my name is Stephanie Barajas, host of All Rice, No Beans, a podcast all about restaurants and the people behind some of your favorite spots to eat, where we talk about how they started, all the ups and downs, and my favorite part, the food and drinks. Ooh, and let's not forget about the desserts. So subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow me on all social media because I have the pictures of all the food. And if you want to be on my podcast and you're a restaurant owner or in the business, email me at allricenobeanspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, you were warned, don't listen while hungry. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year about... Our favorite movies of the year so far for 2020. I just threw in that promo for All Rice No Beans because guess what? All Rice No Beans is back. I am very excited about that. We, of course, had to go on hiatus for the the quarantine, the shutdown and everything. You know, it's like it's hard to be recommending restaurants to our listeners when... Um, the restaurants are all closed, so <laughs> we had definitely had to go on that hiatus, but we are back. We've got a few special episodes in a row to kind of lead into the new episodes, and uh, yeah, and then we got three specials in a row, and then after that, we are going to get back to some of the episodes we had already previously recorded but didn't get a chance to post because of the shutdown, and then it's time to start speaking to some new restaurant owners, and I'm excited to see where it goes, so all right, Snow Bean. Make sure to check that out. Awesome movie year. Finishing up season four. Check that out. Season five about to start. And uh, as always, thank you for listening to Piecing It Together. And hey, quick plug for Bird Road and Entre Dos, both here on the All Points West Podcast Network. So uh, that does it for today. I want to remind you, as always, please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing what you think of the show. So please do leave us a rating. Um, we would very much like it if it's a five-star rating, but tell us what you think. We'd love to know. And if you'd ever love to uh, you know, join me for an episode, I'm always looking for new co-hosts. So get in touch. I would love to have you on a future episode of Piecing It Together. So... Let's close this thing out as we always do with a piece of music. And I think today, you know, we're talking about 2020 and all of the exciting new releases of 2020. I think it would be appropriate to close this thing out with a piece of my new music that's going to be on my next album. And what should I play for you guys here? 
I am going to play a track called Like Never Before. This one, I don't know if it's 100% done yet. You're hearing an early, uh, an early track. This album, as of right now, if it, don't quote me on this, but I think it's going to come out on October 4th, which is my birthday. And uh, it's 16 songs. There's going to be some special episodes of this podcast dealing with uh, the process of putting this album together. That's going to be coming soon uh, in the lead up to the release of this new album because it is kind of a big album for me. I'm really excited about it. And uh, I all 16 songs are close to done. Like I said, this song isn't necessarily 100%, but they're all at least close to done. And... I just need to do like one more really good pass through on every track to make sure I'm 100% happy with them. Uh, so this is basically a, an entirely finished new piece of music. Uh, again, it's called Like Never Before, and it appears right in the middle of the playlist of the new album. I'm not going to let you know the, the name of the new album yet, but probably coming out October 4th. I'm really excited about it. And uh, this is what I've been spending my time in quarantine doing. Aside, aside from producing dozens and dozens of new podcast episodes for piecing it together, All Rice, No Beans, Awesome Movie Year, continuing to do Bird Roads, uh, also making a ton of new music. So this is one of those tracks. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening. As always, July is going to be a little bit of a uh, less busy month here on the podcast because I do want to try to get this album 100% finished by the end of July, as well as some of that music-related podcast stuff that I was just kind of briefly mentioning there. I want to get that stuff recorded now. And while it's all fresh and I'm in the thick of it, I want to get that stuff done during the month of July, it's way too hot out here in Las Vegas. I don't want to leave the house. So I'm going to lock myself in and get it all done while it's too damn hot. And so that means there might be only four episodes in the month of July of piecing it together. But you know what? We've been doing eight a month at least the last few months. I'm sure there's one or two that you haven't listened to yet. So go check those out. Check out those other podcasts I was plugging. Go go check out all of them. And there'll still be plenty of piecing it together to listen to. And I'm sure we'll be back to the usual way too many episodes coming soon enough but thank you as always for listening thanks for the support and enjoy this track it will be out later this year
All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.